Hey guys, I just wanted to reach out to you and let you know that Surewinder is still selling amazing products. Some of you guys have been dragging your feet for whatever reason. If your shoulder hurts, do not waste time. Pull the trigger. I just bought uh, four or five of them and uh, we had two guys out. You know how much it cost me to pay for two guys being out with bad shoulders? We just pulled the trigger and we said, listen, everybody's going to have one on a truck. It's mandatory. You got to use it. Don't hesitate. Don't wait till your guys go down. It's going to cost you more. Buy a Surewinder. It's not every day someone invents something that changes the game. I found out about this product that I'm talking to you about uh, and I had to try it. So I ordered a few and after using it, I'm sold. Now we stock them on our trucks. It's called All Brace and it will help you sell more service and buy you time until doors come in. There's never been a greater time for a product like this. Phil has a video on his website of him cutting a door literally in half, installing the all brace and running it like nothing ever happened. It is literally incredible. One of the greatest selling videos I've ever seen. You're gonna wanna check it out at all-brace.com. Hey guys, Ryan here with Torsion Talk Podcast. And today I've got two amazing people. Uh, one of which is Tamara. Uh, she's in the square box. I don't know, maybe we need to get her a new camera. Um, and then uh, we have Joseph. For those of you guys who don't know Tamara, uh, she's listed on the video as Ryan Lucia for some re weird reason. Um, but Tamara is, uh, I don't like calling her my assistant because she's so much more than that. She's kind of like, I don't know. I got to find a new name for her. She, uh, she was hired as an assistant, but she's not an assistant. She's, I don't know. What am I? I'm going to have a crisis. We got to, we got to, we, we'll come up with something. Anyway, Joseph, uh, funny story. I've known Joseph uh, since I was 17, 16, 16 years old. Um, I went out to try out for the basketball team. I think it was that the first time I met you or I probably met you in school. Um, somewhere along, somewhere along those, those times. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you have a twin brother, uh, right. Joseph and what was his name? Matthew. Matthew. Actually, I think I was closer to Matthew in high school than I was you. Probably. I think Matthew and I hung out. You were probably the good kid. And Matthew was probably the bad kid. <laughs> if I was hanging out with Matthew. Um, so, uh, usually you have, you know, if you got two brothers, one's the bad kid, one's the good kid. So, um, right. but funny story is, you know, I launched a door company six years ago and I get a message. Uh, I think I got a message or I reached out to you. I don't remember. Um, but we got connected and, uh, you were like, yeah, dude, I do, uh, I do like, uh, consulting for, um, uh, some pretty large door dealers in the country. And I was like, dang, okay. And uh, I remember thinking, well, one day, maybe I'll be able to forge your services uh, because I was a startup and didn't really have a lot of extra money. Um, and just recently I uh, hired you for consulting. So yeah. full circle, this is awesome. I love that. It's a good story. Right. right. But Joseph, uh, if you guys have been to like IDA, um, I think IDA has got a crush on Joseph. Uh, I got to figure out how he got that because they won't let me speak at their events anymore. Um, but, uh, I'm waiting for my phone to ring. I check it every day for messages from IDA, uh, to ask if they're, if I'm going to be able to speak at the expo in Vegas. Um, hmm, I don't know. It's weird. I haven't received one yet. Have you? course you have yes. it's, it's, in, it's in the works no phone call no text no email Tamara no email no email. email she checks my email so um yeah a little disappointed man I feel like I feel like at this point you know even I just get up and talk about metaverses they should at least let me blab on about something um anyway I'll draw a crowd at least people will come I don't know. Let me get on tangent. It's okay. Listen, you're listening to Torch Top Podcast, the largest, greatest, most wonderful garage door industry podcast in the garage door industry. Effective like two months ago when someone else started their podcast. 
Um, and today we have Joseph, and we're going to ask Joseph some questions about uh, employees, measurables, finance, uh, all that stuff. Because honestly, I don't know anybody else better suited to answer these questions than him. And uh, we're honored and blessed to have him come on the show and talk about uh, a lot of things he does. Joseph, will you tell us a little bit about what you do on a daily basis uh, other than sit around the house in your pajamas? Sure, sure. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so I, I run E-Square Consulting. You know, Ryan, as you mentioned, um, you know, E-Square Consulting was a company that I started uh, about six, seven years ago, really with the desire to reach the, the distributor dealer side of the garage door industry. I mean, when this industry, when I started the business, you know, it kind of came right on the heels of uh, some real changes that were on the horizon of the industry. I mean, led primarily through the, you know, through the lens of consolidation in the industry. There was, you know, a lot of chatter and activities around uh, larger companies gobbling up smaller companies. There was manufacturers getting involved in direct distribution. Um, there was a lot of things going on there. Um, but I really just had a great desire for the uh, for the distributor dealer side of the industry and got started on it with my background being, as you mentioned, kind of in the financial side. I had been uh, running the North American finance operation for uh, one of the divisions of a major manufacturer and uh, just had an opportunity to, to continue that on the, on the dealer side of the industry, um, really bring in more of a consultant, you know, mindset um, to it. And, you know, that's where it started. Um, you know, I, going into it, I really had a passion, you know, for a couple things. And, and one was, um, you know, to influence others through service. That was the biggest thing. You know, listen, I wanted to be, have an opportunity to influence uh, decision makers uh, through service. Uh, the second one was that I wanted to be a coach and to be coachable, right? And 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 in our industry, there's a lot that we don't know. Um, there's a lot of things, Ryan. You wake up every day that I just don't know. But there are a lot of things that you do know, right? I want to work with people who are looking to be a coach and be coachable. Yeah. And um, I think the last one paid to run around and crack jokes all day, but many people <laughs> think I'm I'm right. smart right. yeah. whatever. You know, and then the last one, the last one was, um, you know, to think and act strategically. You know, I'm not always the most practical person in the bunch, um, but I will think in, in a strategic way. And I want to encourage our industry to think that way because your, your competition is. Your big competition is thinking two, three, four steps down the road. They're not thinking about what's practical in the next thing, though it's important. They're really thinking further down the road. And so when you bundle all that up, I think every day. My goal and my mission in eSquare Consulting is to alleviate loneliness in business leaders making critical business decisions. So to alleviate, lo alleviate loneliness and increase confidence in decision makers. That's what I do every day. Um, and yeah, I'm I do so that glad you said that. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Um, yeah. You know, we, we have, you have consulting groups, um, kind of like what we do with peer groups. Mm -hmm. It's very similar, but also very different. Um, the, um, hang on, the wife's call. All right. So uh, with that, um, what we found, Tamara and I sit in on some of these meetings, like, and, and I have a very similar, like I came from uh, ministry. I've been in ministry for a long time, believe it or not. Um, and one of the things that I found was, is that pastors are probably one of the loneliest people in the world because mm. they don't have anybody that they can confide in um, because they're so worried that if they say the wrong thing that it could cost them their career or, you know, their passion. Business owners are not like far down that list, right? Um, you know, it's it's very complicated uh, scenario and no no two businesses are exactly alike. And, you know, you could recommend something for one business and not the other. And, and um, but business owners as a whole, especially ones, that came up through the like the service side or the install side who don't have the business education, whatever. I mean, th those guys are like, uh, there's days where they struggle and, and they don't have the answers and they don't know who to go to. And, you know, maybe they could afford to hire like you or me consulting later on down the road, but they're probably struggling for a reason and don't have that money to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that there's a huge, um, the, the loneliness factor for business owners, yeah. especially in the last two years with everything going on and they're not being like predictable analytics and decision-making 
Um, it's not just, you know, buy leads and go. There's a lot of other factors that have helped businesses get through this time. And mm-hmm. so it's not been easy. It's been very difficult. And I, I, I think that um, there's a lot of business owners out there who need that uh, reassurance and confidence. And so I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. And, and just just to just to kind of you know dovetail on that you know when you ask what I do every day and you look at it over the last two years you know COVID COVID hits um, you know March whatever March thirteenth March fourteenth twenty twenty is that right uh, we we maybe I forget twenty yeah, it was like March twenty twenty yeah um, so anyhow I forget where the years have gone now but um, you know you, you have that happen and uh, we were scheduled to have a peer group meeting two weeks later um, you know all that shuts down and. And um, we can't have it. So you, you eliminate that face-to-face meeting that we're trying to have with people. And, you know, all of a sudden we mobilize a, a bi-weekly call where on Mondays we were having a call with everybody in our peer group program to talk about how are you responding to this from a sales and marketing perspective. And then on Thursdays we're having a call. How are you responding to this from an operations perspective? And so companies were having their, mem- the, you know, key people on their leadership team dialing into our meetings because, they didn't know what to do. No one's ever faced these kind of things before. And, right. and the idea of doing it on your own sure doesn't seem like a very, a very positive way to do it. So, you know, we were able to mobilize those kinds of things and do that on a regular basis and facilitating those discussions and connecting people together in very similar ways um, in the midst of a pandemic to kind of bring them together, even in a virtual world. Um, but uh, so anyhow, you're right. I mean, that's a big part of it. I mean, I, I like to consider my service is to be a side-by-side service, not a across-the-table kind of service. Um, you know, where we're sitting together, looking at the same thing, helping you to kind of walk through that that data and analysis to be a to be a better version of the company you want to be. So nice. So today, I'm going to peg you with some questions, and Tamara's job is to um, fill in holes where I jump from uh, one space to another, and somehow get off topic. Good luck with that, Tamara. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> It's a life goal of hers. She's insurmountable tasks. Yeah. So it's like uh, checking email and keeping Ryan on task is the Ryan on task part is um, between her, my wife and Tisha. They do a pretty good job combining uh, efforts. So um, they're on a group text that you don't know about, that they're just continuing to talk about you behind. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. Does Ryan know your birthday's coming up? No. Uh, should one of you nudge him? Yes. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's pretty bad. Um, so I want to like season six is all about, uh, employees. We're going to talk about, there's a lot that ties into that, but I, I wanted to bring you on the show because I think just from when I went over to your house that day and you were kind of showing me all this data, like benchmark data and all this stuff, like I, I was in awe because every industry I've been in, there's benchmark data that you can get access to. And it's like non-existent here. You just can't get it. Um, I've, uh, I think there's a company, John, I don't know. I met them at, um, they do acquisitions in the garage door industry and they spoke mm-hmm. at Expo a couple years ago. Um, anyway, they had some benchmark data, but I didn't like when I tried to dig into like, um, asking them because data is only as good as the data you put in. And so I was like, well, how are you getting this data? And so, uh, I found it very hard that the data was going to be accurate. Um, so I I still have yet to find like true industry-wide, like benchmark data. That's really good. And I'm setting out to try to accomplish that. Uh, It's one of my goals for 2022. But you have smaller samples and good data. Um, and and I was like blown away about how you displayed it and just all the information that you had. So I'd like to talk a little bit from an owner's perspective. Um, what do you think like an average service truck should be making the company in revenue? That's a really good question. I should have had the numbers right up here in front of me, right? Um, uh, no, yeah, and, 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 and I don't. Um, just backing up real quick on that data that used to be available, uh, you know, through that that data that you mentioned that used to be published. I mean, the last time that data, particularly from that firm, was published was 2014, 2015. So, I mean, you're talking about anybody who's got the same business that that looks eerily similar to 2014 and 15. This, ain't, this is not the same world. Um, you know, that, that, that we're in there. So that, you know, 
as relevant as that data may look, it's I don't know how how applicable it is to, to today um, as much. But um, you know, so so how much should a should a service truck be making? I mean, I don't have the data up here in front of me, and I wish I did. But you know, I look at that and I say, well, you got to ask some really some underlying questions, right? Um, in order to build that up, you have to know some other things like. What is an average service call? How many service calls do you expect your technicians to be making? Um, what administrative task are you having your, uh, you know, your technicians doing? Um, it's it's been very difficult when you talk about, you know, industry standards and industry benchmarks. What makes that a real challenge is, is that most people don't attack the job in the same way. Um, you know, they they all tend to do it a little bit differently. Um, you're looking at, you know, a, a technician, I would assume, on the residential side is very different than a technician on the commercial side in terms of what expectations mm-hmm. are, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, residentially, you're doing one cruise. Commercially, you're doing two-man cruise. Um, but, uh, you know, I would definitely tell you that, you know, you got to understand, uh, you know, throughput, how much can be accomplished. You have to understand the quality of the lead that you're getting um, before that technician makes a service call. Um, you have to make sure that that technician is equipped with the selling features that, that you want them, you know, to do. So I don't know the exact answer, but I can absolutely get it, get it to you. Um, I don't have the data pulled up here in front of me. Um, but it definitely could, could get that to you. So you said something that was interesting. You know, I've had, I had a conversation with one of my guys the other day and, and a common theme that we get from all of the service guys that come to work here from the beginning of time Everyone's always said, I've worked for a couple companies or a bunch of companies and I've, you have the best customers of anybody. Um, and, and that's exciting to me. And I'm not sure I understand what, why, but uh, when I'm recruiting, I tell people that I tell people that our employees that have worked at other door companies say our customers are the best they've ever dealt with. Um, and I think that there's some value in that and maybe it's our, our business strategy. I don't know. Um, but I think that's, you ask, why do you, why do you think that is? I think that, um, you know, I don't like, I, I'm not going after the cheap crappy leads. I'm not going, I'm not, I'm not buying a lot of AdWords. I'm not, I'm not buying, uh, you know, uh, thumbtack. I'm not buying home advisor. I'm not, uh, I'm not buying service ads. You know, a lot of those people are looking for, you know, I want it now and I want it cheap. And that's not a great experience for a service professional, especially if he's on a performance-based comp plan. Number one, you want it now. Okay. Well, I got to drop what I'm doing and run out there and we got to be one of the first ones to be able to show up or we're not going to get it. Uh, so they're demanding. Number two, they're cheap. Um, you know, Hey, what's your best price for this? Um, and, and that's not our clientele. Like we, we charge to go out. Um, you know, we pay very well. Our guys make good money and, um, which is probably maybe the reason why I got to hire you. Uh, who knows? Uh, but if, if, um, I think our marketing, our strategy, our, we know who our client base is, and we brand ourselves and we market to all those people where they play, where they eat, where they sleep, where they live, work. Like that's, that's where we try to get in front of them. Yeah. Yeah. So I just did, I just, I was able just to pull some numbers here for you while, while you were, uh, you know, chit-chatting on. I mean, so, uh, you know, we, we look at sales generated per tech and installer. So you're looking at a little bit of both, but mm-hmm. you know, the numbers that we show here on some residential should be upwards. Of, and this is actually, we have not done our full benchmark for 2021. So if you're listening to the podcast, hopefully you've gone out with some nice uh, price increases. Hopefully you've raised your labor rates. Hopefully you have uh, improved the service that you're doing. So you're actually increasing that throughput and whatnot. Um, but you're, at, you know, being able to generate somewhere between $550,000, $600,000 annually, um, including installation and service through a, through a technician and installer. Now, granted, that's blending a few different numbers together. But, yeah. Um, and we so. don't normally do, uh, so we don't, we don't normally, uh, our guys are either installers or service guys. Uh, we have like one guy that does both, but mm-hmm. we try to keep them dedicated. I feel like the guy that can be in a garage for four hours, isn't the guy that you want diagnosing mm-hmm. a garage door and repairing it is my sure. experience. Sure. Sure. And, and here's the good news, right? Um, in, in that you're seeing more and more specialization of services and people within the garage door industry. 
Um, you know, if you read the clock five to seven years ago, very often there weren't, there wasn't that level of specialization. You know, it's like, you know, a, a, a door guy was a door guy was a door guy. They were doing, you know, different, they would do everything. Right. And that still happens. Um, but there's a lot more companies like yourself, I think, that are deciding to specialize their, their, their work crew into uh, some of them have specialized warranty techs. They don't, they don't even let, they don't even, they have special people. All they do is warranty, um, you know, uh, which that's where I refuse but, to do that because that, I feel like that's me giving in to yeah, the it is, it is, it is like, whatever the warranty. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and listen, you, you got to do enough work that you got work. Right. Um, but yeah. you know, there, there's a, there's some good in that. And I, the people that I know that do it, I, I know why they do it. And I think it makes a lot of sense, but um, yeah. you're getting into very specific, ways. yeah, you're getting into very specific crews. Yeah. So if we're talking uh, a truck generating $600,000 a year, um, well, you said, I said technician technician. So there's a difference, right? So, Theoretically, you're talking one man crews, residential only. Yeah, so it's fifty thousand dollars a month. Well, and the data that I have here is not that's not going to be a hundred percent residential only. Yeah, okay. That's that's for every dollar for every every headcount full FTE headcount that's a technician or an installer that's Listen, revenue generated. Can can we do some? I think this will be fun, but it may be boring for some people. Can we play with these numbers real quick? We can try to give it a run. All right. So if we're at 50,000 on a, on a technician, let's say a residential service professional. Okay. I call them service professionals. Right. Raise that's a great, no, that's a great, that's a great word. Uh, thanks Phil minor. I appreciate that. He, uh, he gave me the advice on that. Um, all right. 50,000, uh, $50,000. All right. Let's say you pay your technician. What, what do you think you should pay that technician? What should he make for generating $50,000 in service? Just a rough estimate. Just what would you say? Um, I don't know. You're asking. You're you're, you're jumping to uh, what's the top of right. Mount? Twenty percent like climbing up. Climbing we're going to say we're going to pay them twenty percent. Okay. Is that? Do you agree? Uh, I think ideally twenty percent should be equivalent to your fully burdened labor costs on that. Should be equivalent to that of your weight, your your labor rate. So not just your full ticket. So if you if if you're paying if you're charging a hundred and you know nineteen hundred and twenty dollars an hour for a service call, I think you should take whatever twenty percent of that is, and that should be about what your what your service tech is making. So we do performance based. So sure. um, I don't even understand what you just said. Maybe that's why I had to hire you. <laughs> right. Listen, right. <laughs> Listen, I'm right, a sales listen, guy running listen. a sales business, right? All yeah, right. Yeah, Marketing yeah. and sales. Marketing and sales. All right. So if we do. So the easiest way, the easiest, like just simplify the numbers, right? If I'm charging $100 an hour for, for labor, uh, for, for labor for well, service. We don't do right? hourly rates. Sure. I mean, well, and I think that's that's also part. What do you do when someone calls out and says, we need you to come out and do it? To, my door's broken. What do you need you to come out here and look at it? I'm like, yo, dude, get your butt up and go out there and and they get they don't get paid if they don't sell it. And then they get paid commission if they sell it. Right. So what happens if they based a percentage off of like uh, how good they are? So if they got a lot of experience and they're really good, uh, including like keeping their truck clean and organized Mm -hmm. and great reviews and no callbacks, then, you know, we'll pay we'll pay. I'll pay 20 percent. If it's if it's like a new guy and he's fresh green, you know, 13, maybe, you know, 13 percent, 14 percent. And then as he gets experienced, 15 and then we'll move him up. Yeah. Um, but right, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you yeah. a question. What do you tell your customer if you're not if the customer calls and says, yeah, I can send somebody out and you just send somebody out there and you don't charge them? We don't yeah. do that. We the, we charge a fee. OK. For them to come out. It's a, a diagnostic fee, kind yeah, of. So what we do is we tell the customers uh, that we have a diagnostic fee of 129 And if you choose to hire us, then that's included into the price of okay. your purchase. Okay. So, um, so we're talking semantics. You you call it diagnostic fee. I call it an hourly charge, right? It's, it's, yeah. it's in theory, you're recuperating the value of the hour. Of them of going out hour. there. Yes. yes. Exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. Radically, but, you let's get a little higher overview because I feel like you're going to lose me in the weeds and um, you can do that uh, on tomorrow when we have our okay. meeting. 
Um, so 50, let's say the truck generates $50,000 in service only no door sales. Uh, yep. and then let's say he's really experienced and really good. And we're going to pay him 20%. That's a $10,000. That's a $10,000 commission for the month, mm-hmm. which if you're generating 50 grand, I feel like it's okay. Well, especially on service because your margin should be very good. So let's just say on service, you got $10,000 in labor. Uh, I think our average truck. Oh, I got this. I got this. I got this. Hang on, y'all. I got this. Uh, I may not have it pulled up, but I got this. I have what our trucks cost us and everything. Um, I'm totally ready for you, Joseph, tomorrow. All right. Uh, my goal is to have an answer for every question you have that I understand. Um, <laughs> There's the rub. <laughs> yeah. uh, Caveat that I, that I understand. Yeah. Um, all right. So our, our trucks, um, thousand bucks to run a truck insurance. Um, oh no. Service trucks are like 1500, 1600. So we're going to talk 1600 to run truck. That's fuel. That's truck. That's insurance. Um, average maintenance uh, divided up amongst trucks. Uh, we're running about $1,600 for the truck. So that's uh, $11,600. $11, uh, and then parts, right? I mean, we all, parts are fairly inexpensive. Um, so let's say that the parts are 25% of the total, uh, which is uh, 50000 and we're at 25%. That's twelve five plus $10,000 plus $1,600 for the truck. Um, yeah, you're looking at like twenty five grand. So 50% margin on residential service guy, roughly. That's a very rough math. Um, if you're generating $50,000 in service, should, should make the company twenty five grand. Sounds yeah, if, 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 your, if your math is right. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't check it. Yeah. All right. So our service guys, how do, like, I think there's a bunch of different ways to do it, right? I've got uh, Adam at 80 door and window. I don't understand his method methodology on the way he does things, but he's brilliant. So obviously he's figured something out, but he actually has technicians and he's got salespeople. And if you call in for service, they're going to send a salesperson out. And that salesperson is going to diagnose, get you to sign off on the quote, call the office and be like, hey, uh, all right, I need somebody out here. Um, and they either come right out or they get them on the, on the books, right? And they got 70 technicians, seven zero. He's probably got more now. This dude's crazy. Um, Who are we talking so, about again? Huh? Who are we talking about again? Uh, Adam Weber at AE Door and Window. Okay. Brilliant, dude. The guy is freaking brilliant. Um, like I, I, I call them all the time to bounce ideas off of them. And like, I'm, I'll call sometimes just cause I have good ideas and I want to show off. And then he's like, what about this and this? And I'm like, damn it, man. He always one ups me. He's so free. I love the way his brain works. I actually mm-hmm. just got fun with him about some stuff and he came with some really good ideas. But the, um, the, uh, the way he does it is he sends a salesperson out. They, they get the customer sign off on it. And then the technician comes out and does the work. Uh, that feels like a lot to me. The way we do it is we hire selling technicians or service professionals, uh, which is very difficult to find more difficult than just finding people who can fix doors that are already like, you know, they know what parts they're taking out there and everything before they even leave. So they can manage their inventory really easily. Everything's systematic. It's nice, clean, whatever. Uh, they go pick up their parts from the parts department before they leave to go do the job. And I think they have the opportunity to upsell once they're there, maybe um, if, if they find something that maybe the salesperson didn't find. Uh, but in the grand scheme of things, when it comes to like uh, my way, it's much more complicated to find people. So what we do is we don't try to do volume. We try to do quality. So my guys get three jobs a day um, and their job is to build rapport, a relationship, uh, inspect the door and provide options. And those options are bare minimums. This is what you need. This is what you might want. And then you can pay me 129 to go away. Um, 
And so a lot of people, believe it or not, choose the I want package, uh, which is hella expensive, you know, considering all things. Uh, but they don't have to worry about it. It's like a worry-free, you know, deal. Um, and so uh, when when trying to measure your finances with, with people and create good company culture, I thought the biggest challenge that I've got is finding people. Um, and then, you know, once I find them, taking good care of them. So what I thought was we could give these people a few amount of jobs as possible, have them do $50,000, $60,000 a month, give them, you know, three jobs a day, paid vacation, all this stuff, all these packages, health benefits, 401k, everything, uh, get them a nice truck, build it out to where it's really nice um, and, and make the whole experience a great one. Right. And, and, and I feel like for me, that's the best way to do it. But I see all these other companies, you know, they do 10 jobs in a day uh, and they generate roughly the same amount of uh, revenue because they're just going in there focused on the problem that they got called for. Like, oh, hey, I see your spring is broken. Yeah, it's this amount. And then they go and they do it and then they leave. Um, so I think it's a culture thing. So I base almost everything I do off of culture. I don't want to overwork my guys and have them do 10 jobs. I also don't want to pay gas to drive to 10 jobs. Um, and, and I want my guys to take their time and enjoy the process and have a good time doing it and get to connect with people. Um, so what's your take? Do you have a, a, like a way that you've seen work best with maybe some of the dealers that you work with on the residential side? Yeah, I mean, I think you, I think you know, the the trend is proving to be true, right? Less is more, right? Um, whatever, whatever you're doing now, try to do it less often for a better value, right? That, and at some point, that reaches diminishing returns. We know that, right? Um, yeah. You know, two calls is not enough. Three is maybe right for you. For some people, five calls is uh, is the right number, but six is. You know, you, you, you depends on where you are geographically. There's a lot there, but pushing the limits of minimizing complexity, right? Minimizing touch, you know, uh, that and maximizing the quality of that visit is becoming, uh, you know, uh, very, very important. Um, you know, this year, I think that has faced some increasingly more difficult challenges, right? Service parts being available has become a little more difficult, Um you know, you, you've had situations where I think creating that maximum customer is difficult and then going in and saying, you know, here's your bare minimum 129, you know, uh, get you out of jail card here to get you, but, or, you know, to get it diagnosed. But, you know, now that you want to upgrade high, high end product, well, what do you do when that product's not available? I mean, I, I think you're, 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 that's being stretched and that limit's being stretched. But, you know, Ryan, I think the, the general consensus is, Across the board, a lot of residential companies are trying to do fewer calls, better quality calls. They are trying to coach their people better as to how to sell. They're trying to coach them how to be better customer service people. They're trying to coach them and provide for them the tools necessary to um, to provide the customer with a quality product. Um, but also understanding that, you know, we don't have to be the cheapest. You know, we, we're going to offer you a valuable service. And I, and I think we're seeing the tides turn a little bit on some of this sort of um, MacGyver uh, mentality on the in the door industry where it's you know the one that has the most creative service you know wins. Um, I remember being at an IDA expo a few years ago where they uh, they gave out an award to a technician and they gave it out. They described how complex a service call this person did. Like they talked about how how they had done all these different you know MacGyver ish type of things and 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 how because of that, he was awarded as the greatest technician in the industry. And I thought that seems like foolish to me. You know, I, you know, that we need to be, we, we need to, we need I to use reward. duct tape over here. And no, I'm just kidding. Well, I didn't quite get that. It was very, the work was done. Don't get me wrong. The work was done extremely, extremely well, but all we did was fix a broken thing, right? We didn't really, the customer could have had a, had a brand new solution at a, at a, at a better value. Um, Camera, are you spinning? Cause you got something to say. Hmm. Oh, no, I'm just listening because it's it's interesting. I think that we talk a lot in Garage Door U about working smarter and not harder and customers that get upset when you send a tech um, to uh, fix, fix their issue. And it only only takes 
them half an hour. Um, it's like, we can send a slow guy if you want, you know? Yeah. So I think, it, yeah. I think that's definitely a theme that we discuss a lot and it just makes me smile. Yeah. It's, it, um, you know, and I can say this cause I don't own a garage store company, um, to your point, uh, is, uh, you know, there's nothing more frustrating to me than time and material. Um, in all honesty, I think it's, I think it's, I'll use the word, I think it's lazy. Um, I think it, it, it rewards the wrong things. Um, I think that it, it, it doesn't, it's not good for the customer. Um, and, uh, and, and I think that's a problem. I think if you put money into me, I've heard you mention Ryan on the podcast for the, the sure winders and the things that you're, you know, the buying, the things that you're doing. If I put GPS in my truck so that I can more adequately uh, sharpen my routes so that I know where people are and can get there faster and I give them the safest tools so that when I'm out there, we can do it quicker and I train my people uh, to be able to quickly identify problems. Why should the customer pay less for that experience? They should actually be paying more for that experience. And I did it three times faster. Right. When you when you fall back on a time and material basis, you fall back on the Well, I was out there for so long. Right. And, and shame on us as an, as an industry we can't show value in the quality of the work that we do and not the time that we're there. Um, you know, and so I think your point, I think that's a, that's a, that's a good one. Um, working smarter, not harder. And, you know, the truth is, is we make investments in those things and how do we get a return on investment for the things we charge appropriately for those things. Exactly. You can stop so, the podcast right now. That, that right there was enough <laughs> consistency and in everything, including price, reliability, quality. Not just quality, but great quality control. These are things that describe Somer USA. Somer is not some startup company, not one that you need to be worried about going out of business in the near future. Somer and their family of businesses are $200 million companies. They're in over 100 countries and they have locations in 20 countries. This is a large organization who stands behind their product and works through integrity. And there's not another company out there willing to drop what they're doing and help you out like Somer. These guys are awesome. Not only have they been loyal to the Torsion Talk podcast, they've been loyal to the technicians and the owners of the companies who install their product. In my opinion, if you're not at least offering Somer as an additional option, you're cheating yourself. Listen, first time dealers, I've got a special for you. If you buy 10 or more Somers between now and the end of the season six, while supplies last, we will offer you free shipping. You have no more excuses. The prices are great. The product is amazing. Go check out Somer USA and order 10 for free shipping. I'm going to tell you guys a marketing secret. You want to gain more social media likes, shares, and follows? People love unique and cool projects. There are no better photos to share than the ones on Schweiss Doors social accounts. These guys post some incredible things. Make sure to go there and like and share their Facebook and Instagram post with your business account. So if you like their business account, you can share their uh, their post. The bifold doors are awesome and they're doing some great projects that will go viral on social media if you share them. Go right now to Schweiss Door on Facebook and check out some of the projects they share and like their page. Oh, and don't forget, no one builds a better bifold than Schweiss. Let's shift gears. I got more. Let's keep going. Yeah, let's shift <laughs> gears a little bit. Uh, out of... I don't think there's a better person other than maybe a couple of business owners in the garage door industry that are really good about KPIs. Um, but there's very few people in this industry that I think uh, do a great job of like, and, and I'm getting better at it. It's something that I've always done in other industries, but other industries have always been more developed. We had software, we had APIs, you could port all this stuff in and it was easy to get the information here. It's like, it's a little gray over here, like this data. And so I feel like if it's not true, hundred percent accurate data, there's no reason to track it. Like you can just kind of feel it out. And I've been pretty good with that here. Unless you tell me otherwise tomorrow. Um, but the, uh, 
I want to know from you. <laughs> I want to know from you. The wing it mentality is real, bro. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I think I'm going to launch another location. Um, Called wing it. <laughs> yeah. It's freaking nuts. Uh, reel me in here. But um, so what KPIs as a business owner are the most important KPIs that you can absolutely be tracking? It's a good question. Um, the number one KPI, and you're going to say, well, that's not really a KPI, but it is. It is. Uh, I believe the number one financial KPI that you have to be looking at is gross profit margin. Now, that's a fairly large KPI, right? You'd be surprised by that is it's the most important one. And, and I want to add a one little comment to that. The most important in your business is accurate gross profit margin. Okay, not just what gross profit margin. I mean, accurate and timely gross profit margin. You know, I look at companies every day. I spend all day long talking to people like you, Ryan, other people from from Hawaii to and from the upper Ooh, Midwest. I talked to somebody in Hawaii today. Two people. Okay. Nice. Good yeah, for you. My sign guy was in Hawaii. I think this is a sign. My my sign guy is in Hawaii because I called him to get a rough estimate on a sign for our new location that I might okay. be signing up for. Uh, I did a demo for marketing. Tamara and I did it today for a lady who does a rental car business in Hawaii. And then right. you mentioned Hawaii. All right. That's the first time. You won't hear it another time today. No. All right. Um, you go ahead. I'm going to look for flights to Hawaii because I feel like this is a sign. Okay. Um, all right. Go ahead. So, so Randy, Number one KPI my point is across problem. the across the entire country, you know, I, I talk to, to door people all the time. And and you would be surprised, and I feel like I work with with some of absolutely the best companies in this industry. And I, I would take those guys and compare their businesses to anything else that, that's out there. Um, getting uniform understanding of what is included and what is what is in gross profit is not easy. So Everyone wants to jump to things like well, what you know, how much you're spending on marketing, and, and how, how much are, how much are you paying your tax, and how much are you doing this, and and uh, you know, uh, what, you know, all these different kind of what 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 are you doing? And, and the truth is, is to me, until you know with one percent certainty what my gross margin is, and is it repeatable and sustainable, you're you're chasing the wrong things because that number is the is the number that tells you what my sustainable profitability is over time, given the model of business that I do. And that is what's necessary to cover overhead. So without nerding people out on financials, right, it is revenue less your material labor and other costs gets you to gross profit. And if you don't, if you're not a hundred percent sure that that number is accurate, everything else is, is a futile exercise in my honest opinion. Um, know that that number is accurate now we can get into some bells and whistles of kpis um, all right but, so as a garage door company a as a garage door company yeah. what is the goal gross profit margin um so i think it depends if you're residential or commercial if you're blended i think there are some different things in there but i would tell you you know i used to five years ago i started with the mantra 40 30 10 Anybody's listening to your podcast that's worked with me in the past, they could hit the pause button right now. They could look at the person next to them and tell you exactly what 40, 30, 10 is. That is 40% gross margin, 30% overhead is, is an expense of a revenue, and 10% bottom line. 40, oh 30, God. 10, right? I'm now, in so much trouble. I have people now that have said, forget your 40, 30, 10. I'm on the, you know, the 50, 30, 20 plan. You know? I like that. And, uh, and yeah, and and the reason is not because they decided I have so much overhead, number. bro. I wake up in the morning thinking about all the bills I got to pay. Yeah. We got to look at that. So, <laughs> so when you, when you, when, in, until somebody can wake up every morning and know with confidence that they can produce a 40% gross margin, they can't, they can't move to a 50, 30, 20 plan. Right. Um, but so when you ask, what is the number? I mean, I, I still think for many people, 40 is the 40 is a good number to get to. Uh, I think that's a, that's a good standard. I don't think, I think the great number is getting, is getting up and above that. Um, and, and for some people they've eclipsed, you know, 40, they're moving up to 50%. And, uh, they're, they're not going to be stopped. always been my goal for gross. Always. It's yeah. just that middle number you threw out is like. Overhead is an expensive, is an expensive, uh, of revenue. Well, 
Yeah. And I'll just be honest with you. I like nice things. I, not personally. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't have a lot of personal stuff. Tamara, will you stop, please? Good Lord. She's cracking up. I'm not a liar. I, I have a nice building. I have, you know, we wanted dock doors. So I got dock. But listen, I got 10,000 square feet for $6,000 a month in, in a prime location that's brand new. I got accent brick walls on the inside. It's beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. I do service Titan. I got all the best, everything, everything. All my trucks are within two or three years old. You know, I mean, so yes, my overhead is, is a little high. Um, I mean, but, but Ryan, you're answering, you're, you're answering my, my, you're, you're filling my own statement, right? Which is, Gross profit margin is the most important number that you can look at because it's gross profit margin that covers all these beautiful things that you want. Right. Right. So the truth is you have, you know, some companies that decide that, you know, uh, you know, the lake house and the boat and, uh, you know, the, the kid, the kids' cell phones and everything else are all part of the, are all part of the expenditure base. Right. So you start saying, well, how does my number compare to other people from an overhead standpoint? Well, good. If, if we can't agree on gross margin, good luck agreeing on overhead, right? Because everyone's got so many things pulled into that. That's why I go back to fundamentally, if we're going to compare people in our industry and we're going to talk about that, it has to start with gross margin, right? And then, and then from there, you can choose how you want to spend that money. But the business model you have generates the gross profit margin that you make. And from there, you can choose to spend it however you choose. Now, that sometimes you need that over is that overhead really generating for you the revenue of margin that you need. That's an, that's an important discussion. But yeah. if you don't know how much growth margin you're making, then then you're, you're lead, you're the blind leading the blind on the overhead side. Yeah. And, and that's why, and something we're going to talk about tomorrow too, in our like one-on-one time is I'm so passionate about launching these locations. Um, I have, I have a like I literally think this is the best way to generate bottom line profit in our door industry without going outside and offering other services. So it's either like launching more locations or offering additional services. Once you've kind of maximized like your local area and you kind of dominated your marketing space, which I feel like we've done pretty well at, uh to Buford, Georgia may be one of the most saturated cities, not in a, like a major city, we're in the suburbs and there's at least 25 garage door companies within a, I don't know, eight mile radius of me. I mean, Oh, like crazy nuts. It's like everybody left one company and started their own and they had like 20 employees and it was like right up the street. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, Let's just do the math and tell me if I'm crazy here. But I launched a showroom in Milton, Georgia. Absolutely gorgeous. Built it out. You know, our overhead is fixed. We really don't. I mean, it's a, it's a, we, we hire somebody to work there. Uh, we got utilities like phone and internet and uh, heating and air power. Uh, but outside of that, we have rent, insurance, and that's it. Right. So we have a fixed kind of cap. Now I'm not naive. I know that also affects Aaron overhead door Buford in some ways you got uh increase in phone calls. You got uh, more processing of bills. Like there's little things, right? So you got to take in consideration. There's a small lift of resources being applied to our Buford location, but I'm already double in revenue as to what I'm paying there. And it's not even been three months. So if I, and I'm pretty confident I can do this wherever I want. So let's say I'm spending 10, 15 grand a month in fixed expenses, marketing, everything included. Let's say I'm 15 grand over there. And, and within a few months, I can be at $30,000 in revenue. And then within a year, I can be at 50, $60,000 in revenue. And then within two years, I can be at $100,000 in revenue. My fixed expenses are still 15. I'm still at 15. And then Adam, uh, who I mentioned earlier, brilliant guy. We're sitting there talking and he's like, bro, dominate that freaking space. Like crush it. Just kill it over the next three years. 
and then shut it down. He said, because you're going to build a reputation over there and everybody's going to know who you are and you won't need it. He said, I just backed out of a market and my phone still rings the exact same amount since we left. So if you build your reputation, you grow it, get involved in the community, you know, all that, and you get to the point where you're going to be who everybody calls and then you leave. Yeah, your phones might drop a little bit, but you're still going to be on people's refrigerator. You still got the SEO and all that stuff. I don't know, dude. It feels like the right answer. Now, I know I'm, I'm adding expenses to the bottom line, but I'm adding twice as much revenue within three months. Yeah, I, I, and, and listen, every month, no, there's, no, there's no cookie cutter that works, right? I will tell you, experience has been, um, that organizations that have more locations that are sort of with the hub and spoke mentality of I'm going to have a hub here and I'm going to have various pieces. Of, uh, I have actually found that in the vast majority of those locations, their overhead is as a percentage of revenue is higher than other locations. They, that 30 number I gave you is a very, is, is the biggest challenge they face. Um, and, and part of it is, well, I got a showroom on this side of town. I got, you know, I got a showroom over here and real estate over here. And, and all of a sudden it's just, it's just the real estate management or the, you know, the facility and the, the site management just becomes more than it's a job into itself. Right. So, um, that's been my experience. Um, organizations that look to build locations that are, you know, another community away tend to be a little bit better, but ones that tend to try to set up the, uh, and that's changing. And the way that's changing is people are trying to, people oftentimes are doing this not to build showrooms and everything else. They're trying to get to Google My Business locations. They're putting in small locations that they may even hold anything in there. They may have a phone that rings there and a person that sits there. Very little overhead in those locations. That's changing yeah. the model a little bit. But this idea of sending up many versions of your business in multiple areas around a community, historically, I've seen that be a very difficult task. To that's not, yeah, that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to do a showroom, staff it with one person. Uh, and, and, and we, we literally use that to market digitally and anybody who walks in is a bonus, right? Like, I don't care if I get foot traffic, it makes no difference to me. I just need to staff it. Cause like uh Google, uh, now Google profile, um, which formerly known as Google My Business, formerly known as whatever, um, you know, they require it to be staffed during business hours. It has to be a separate staff than the one at Ed Buford. Um, so we're planning on taking someone and putting them over there, just like we did Milton. They they own that relationship, right? So we call them we call them market ambassadors, and then we pay them like a salary, and then uh, after we grow it a little bit, we'll put in a kicker uh, for growing revenue. So they're now bought into, hey, this is my location. I got to grow the revenue. And then we set goals for them to try to get to that, uh, try to get to that number. So yes, we are increasing that middle number. That middle number has always been a problem for me. I'm just going to like, you're going to see it when you come, you know, when we talk tomorrow. Um, but I think that's the case with a lot of people. Well, some people, you know, if you got to, if you're middle, uh, middle ranged in size uh, to big, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I, I'm the last person that probably needs to be talking about controlling expenses because uh, I, I see I, <laughs> I see shiny things and I buy them. And then I'm like, oh, hey, well, we can just sell another $1,000 and we'll pay for this. Right. Um, and that's not really how it works in the real world. And I'm learning that, right? Uh, with my marketing agency, we freaking kill it. Like it does great. And this is the model that I'm used to because I came from software, but trying to grow a service company is not easily done. Um, especially when, when you don't want to cut corners and you want to pay for your employees benefits and you want to do yeah. 401k match and you want them to be in a nice truck, um, you know, with air conditioning, uh, that looks good driving into this million dollar house and you want them to have a Sherwinder so they don't have shoulder problems. And, you know, in the first sign of an issue with a tire, you replace them. Um, you know, I'm not cheap. I'm not cheap with my employees. And, and I think that comes out of me, uh, but people love working here and I take good care of them and they all make good money. But the, the problem is, is that I've got to get the company to the point where it's super profitable uh, because I've got plans. I want to do stuff. You know what I'm saying? 
And so that, that ultimately I think should be the bottom line goal for every single garage door owner, business owner out there. What like a lot of problems go away when at the end of the year, you look at your bottom line and you got 250, $500,000 worth of profit, you know, Hey, I, I I'm going golfing, you know, I mean, I don't know. Feels like you're doing a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, so. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're right. I mean, in, in certainly profit, profit is while we're in this game, right? Profit, profit is while we are in this business. Cash flow, really, but profit. Yeah. So. Cash flow is interesting. Yeah. Whole nother conversation. Yes. Yeah. Which in today's world is becoming increasingly difficult. You know, yeah. I'm good uh, at cash flow. You are good at cash flow. Okay. Well, we just got to keep the growth margin coming in then and you'll, you'll be fine. Yeah. All right. Listen, I, I'm going to cut this off because I feel like it was a good show and we probably could have cut it off 30 minutes ago, but um, I don't want Joseph to get tired of me before tomorrow. Um, <laughs> we got a lot to cover tomorrow. Yeah. Number one, number two, I, um, I, I feel like there's enough information in here for you guys to really, really appreciate the the show. Um, and I don't like to have these go too much longer than, than an hour. So I know, um, so we're coming up on an hour, I think from the time we started it, uh, Joseph, uh, what kind of business are you accepting new businesses into, uh, E squared as far as consulting or joining your peer groups? Yeah. So, um, yeah, certainly but on, on both ends. I mean, we have, we have some select markets that, that we would, you know, be looking for some people in the peer group program. Um, you know, where, where we would love to, uh, love to see some, some, some new members, at least explore the concept uh, of our program and learn more about it. Um, the, uh, the Rocky mountain area, the, uh, the Colorado market would be great. Um, some stuff in the central, central states, um, you know, uh, Kansas, Oklahoma, that, you know, some, some place in the central area there, uh, uh, the Washington DC market, you know, might, might be a good one. Um, so we have a handful of markets that would be good that we'd like that. Um, but certainly from a consulting standpoint, you know, there's, there's an opportunity there where certainly I'd love to talk with any of your, your, uh, your guys that listen here on a regular basis or gals that listen on a regular basis. They're saying, you know, every day I wonder if my numbers are going in the right direction, right? Every day I wonder, are we doing the right thing and, and don't live on an Island, you know, like if you know, call out a lifeline, you know, um, yeah. same reason why, same reason why homeowners don't always fix their own garage doors, right? Because they need an expert to come in and help them understand you know, what, what needs to be done. Um, so uh, it's still your business. You got to learn how to manage the financial aspect of it. But if you're not a financial wizard uh, and you're growing your business, eventually you start making big decisions, you know, um, that you need. And so to, to work with those, those people and try to help them, you know, again, uh, increase confidence, alleviate loneliness when making critical business decisions. That's what, that's what I exist and what we, what we exist to do. And so we'd love to do more of that. I love that. I love that. Oh, your garage, who do you use for garage door service? Who do I use for garage door service? Yeah. Uh, I would be using the Aaron Overhead Door Company. Ooh, in and uh, so, matter of fact, I gave you a referral last week. So I don't know if you uh, got it or not, but um, so. I don't even know, bro. Yeah. I love the fact that I don't know. Yep. I don't have a clue. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. People are like, oh, dude, I hired your company. Did you see? I'm like, no. I didn't. I didn't. Um, but thank you. I appreciate yeah. it very much. Yeah, we're grateful for it. Yeah, it means a lot. I uh, For 2022, by the end of 20, 2022, I really want to be completely hands off um, as far as like day-to-day stuff completely. Like I just want to uh, refresh the page on my uh, computer to see what our revenue numbers are. And I'm going to have like 10 screens. I'm going to have crypto on like two or three. I'm going to have such and such on one or two. And then I'm going to have Aaron overhead door. And I just want to, I just want to hit command R all day and just watch. And then like, if numbers aren't going well, just be like, boop, boop, boop. Hey bro, what's going on over here? And then, uh, yeah, that feels fun to me. That, that, that seems interesting. Yeah. <laughs> seems a little scattered, but I think, I think, I think you can make it work. Yeah. 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 I'm good yeah. with it. Yeah. All right, bro. Listen, thank you so much. I know your time is valuable. And uh, if you guys, how do people get in touch with you? Certainly they can uh, find, find us online at uh, esquaredconsultants.com. If you uh, want to reach out to me, you can reach out to me, J O S E F 
at esquaredconsultants.com. Happy to, to talk with you. Uh, certainly engage in a dialogue, learn how your business is doing, how we can help you make it better. Yep. And, um, you know, if you guys get a chance to hear him speak um, at one of the conferences, uh, definitely do so. Uh, I think IDA should pay you for your time. So there should be like a speaker fee that you charge. I think that uh, your flight, your hotel, your speaker fee. So if you want to cut this out and send it to them, uh, you should do so. But you bring a lot of value and uh, and information that I think our industry needs. I really think, honestly, have you heard my plan for 2022? Did you see my video? I, I'm going to learn about it tomorrow. Dude, you listen. I, I'm about to blow up Torsion Talk. We're going to have a show every day of the week. It doesn't have to be an hour long, but I would love for you to do a podcast on my show um, and we could release it once a week. You can just do a 10 minute, uh, 10 minute. Here's, here's uh, the 10 minute tip of the week. Uh, it could be a 30 minute show. You can interview people, whatever you want to do, but I, I would freaking love it. And we'll sell advertising on it and I'll pay you some of the money from the advertising and everything. But I think you would have uh, you'd have a good following. I think the information you have is extremely valuable, and it would help grow your um, your e squared business because sure. our our listeners are freaking loyal. Like people tell me, they get blown up after getting off of here. Um, so uh, we tend to do very well with sponsors and with uh, people we have like you that come on the show. So listen, if you're out there and you're loyal to Torture Talk Podcast, make sure you hit my boy up here. So, and tell him that you want him to have his own podcast show and, uh, and put some pressure on him. So he knows exactly what you want to hear. I think he would put on a great show, uh, and help you guys out a ton. All right. Listen, love you guys. Be safe out there and, um, and tell your customers, uh, that you love them and that, uh, they help pay the bills, um, and show them appreciation, you know, gratitude goes a long way. So tell them that you're grateful. Anyway. Uh, with that, we'll wrap up and we'll see you next week.